Chapter 2 Young Beowulf Goes Swimming As you know well, my sister's son, the story of Beowulf has been told for nearly a century now, and by many men, each imagining it in his own way. It is rather a fad at this point, and no doubt it will soon be forgotten once people tire of it. No one is in any great hurry to write down a version of it, and if they do, who knows what version it will be. If there is one thing men cannot ever learn to do, it is agree about much of anything. So I really doubt if this story will be written down on paper anytime soon. How some men tell it, Beowulf is the offspring of a she-bear and a human man. The man is said to have been named Egtheow, or perhaps this was just a, a good nickname for a skilled swordsman, and not the name his mother gave him. Because of being half-bear, they say, the child Beowulf's hands were strong and clumsy like paws, and he swam and fought nearly as mightily as a young bear would have. Beowulf grew to be a stocky bear man, they say, and when he rejoined human society, he had a mighty thirst for mead. Mead, as you know, is the alcoholic drink your father's sister makes from honey. Beowulf is said to have been a famously mighty swimmer and fighter. It is related that he had trouble navigating the deep waters of human social settings, however. One thing we do know is that when fighting, Beowulf often broke or dropped his swords and settled matters barehanded instead. On that, everyone agrees. When many of the rest of us tell the story, though, we imagine that Beowulf was simply born a human child to a human woman who died near a forest, and that for seven winters he was raised by a great shaggy she-bear who suckled him like she would one of her own cubs. Until he was old enough to walk, he rode around on the great bear in the daytime, clinging to her thick pelt with his strong little fingers. At night he slept, curled up against her warm, furry belly, her breath pouring over him like a soft blanket. The great beast taught him how to swim and fish and hunt and fight in the icy rivers and pools where they lived. She couldn't teach her little foster son which fork to use, nor which end of the sword to hold, nor the politest way to say something delicate, however. And so when he rejoined human company, we relate, those things came to him very slowly. This much is known about Beowulf. Many things go without saying, and so I need not spend time in relating them again. Everyone knows of impulsive Heathalath, talkative swirting of the cracked cup, all the stolid and endlessly discussed kings of the Spearedanes, the famously savage Eorl tribe in their conflict with the Danes, and of course, Erminlaf and his worn boot, the wolf and the ivory comb. And you yourself have certainly heard enough stories about the wooden bowl of unlucky Higd of the Golden Hair, and could tell the stories about what happened to her on her 20th name day, as well as I. Naturally, I need not spend any of our time telling you about Hirogar, as you have known about his exploits, and what he did at the smithy and the tragic result of it all, since you were no taller than my belt. The stories are endless, and just like real life, none of them ends happily. Screaming in blood we are born, screaming in blood we die. The bravest of us do not scream, but we all bleed and we all die in the end. It is what we do in the time between, and who we kill, that makes all the difference. The story of Beowulf takes place not too long ago, when things were not much different from how they are today. People had regular, normal, everyday names just like we do. Hilfdane, Hrothwolf, and Ulgenthiao being as popular then as they are today. They spoke more or less as we speak still. Like now, folks were always trying to create peace, knowing all the while that peace never lasts. People love to get drunk on mead and ale and long high halls just as they do now, telling stories of heroics in battle, just like we do. Then, as now, 
There was always someone killing someone over something that only seems at all important to people who have been drinking. Families had trouble getting along, and young men kept their swords sharper than their wits and their ale mugs full. Many claimed to be Christian, but saw to their charms and runes in the phase of the moon and listened to their grandmother's stories the same as you and I. Just like today, if someone ended up killing you, it would most likely be your brother. The very first thing most people ever heard about Beowulf at the time was that he was a strong but clumsy young man. Even when he had not been at the mead, he often said the wrong thing, the honest, blunt truth, and he could not be taught the subtleties of fancy sword work, though Higelac insisted his most skillful thanes try and teach his sister's son the art of battle. In fact, Beowulf was known for throwing, dropping, bending, and outright breaking most of the old swords they normally used to teach young men how to fight, and there was no use giving him a waster practice sword of stout oak or hickory, as he'd soon shatter that to splinters. But when young Beowulf got a certain look in his eye and rushed at you, no matter how good you were with a sword, you knew you had better run before he got you in his grasp. A spear was a better choice to try to keep him at a distance, but if you let him get his hands on the shaft, he would usually bat it aside or roughly knock it flying from your best two-handed grip or shatter it to matchsticks in the grasp of one hand. As he did this, he would lay hold on you with the other hand before pulling you into a crushing bear hug. Beowulf liked fighting, but he had no patience for weapons practice. Besides fighting and drinking mead, Beowulf loved to swim. He could hold his breath underwater for far longer than seemed human, and he could swim off into the distance and explore islands and coastlines one normally needed a ship and favorable winds to reach. When Beowulf had just about finished growing, he and his friend Brekka had a glorious summer when each sought to outdo the other at absolutely everything. Brekka could beat Beowulf in a foot race and in playing the lute, which Beowulf could not master at all, and Beowulf could beat Brekka at wrestling and climbing trees. Both were extremely powerful swimmers, living as they did by the sea and loving to wrestle with the powerful surf. One day, the sea was far too rough for swimming in. A storm looked likely, and both young men were warned that if they stupidly went swimming and drowned, on their own heads it would be. So, being young men with something to prove, they decided to do it anyway, that it really was the very best idea either of them had ever had. They knew they could both swim for a day entire, crossing channels between their own shore and ones out of sight over the horizon, and they knew that they were just as at risk of attack by dangerous sea creatures as they were of drowning. But they were young, and they'd just been warned that it was too dangerous, and so they did it immediately. When you say the word dangerous to a young man, he often hears you say the word exciting instead. Now, it is not of course unheard of for a man to swim a channel or a strait and not stop until the same time the next day, but Brekka and Beowulf swimming side by side wearing war blades in case of shark attack, swam for two, then three days. By the fourth day, it was clear that Beowulf was the stronger swimmer. On the fifth day, Brekka fell enough behind that in some crashing surf Beowulf lost track of him entirely and could not find him again. Brekka was carried by the waves to a distant outcropping of land, and as for Beowulf, he got swept up in currents that eventually took him to the coast of Finland, where exhausted, he emerged from the sea, scraped and bleeding, sword in hand and wild tails on his lips, asking for mead. 
it was the best summer ever. 